0: Ocean advocate is Margot Pellegrino. Margot is a long distance paddler raising awareness about the importance of clean waterways and healthy oceans. Her latest endeavor is paddling from New York City to New Orleans. Hi, Margot, welcome to the show. Thank you
1: so much for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, very excited to talk to you today. To give our listeners a little bit of background, Margot and I have a mutual friend. Her name is Linda Emerson. She runs a an awesome nonprofit called Beach Guardians Atlantic, and one of the main pillars of Beach Guardian Atlantic's mission is to get people to recognize the upstream connection. So, how what we do on land and what we do to our rivers, lakes, and streams affects the ocean. And I know that's also something that Margot is very passionate about creating awareness for. So. Linda connected Margot and I and she is currently joining us today from Chicago. So, like I mentioned earlier, Margot is a long distance paddler. And to many of you, myself included, a long distance paddle might seem like maybe a few miles. That to me, that would be a great long distance paddle for a day. Margot For her, it's a little bit different. She takes it a few steps further, and for her, a long-distance paddle is maybe like 2,000 miles, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but these are multi-week or month-long solo paddles in her outrigger canoe, and this current trip she's on is not her first. She's done several long-distance paddles from going up the east coast from Miami to Maine to going down the west coast of the United States from Seattle to San Diego. She's really going all over the place. It's really amazing. But Margo, I want to first ask you, where did the initial initial inspiration come from to start doing these long distance paddles?
1: Well, thank you for asking. And also, Allison, thank you so much for doing what you do. Because podcasts, newspaper articles, letters to the editor, just word of mouth, whatever we can do. I think we all at this point really need to be the choir that sings loudly for our ocean and our rivers and our water because they are in crisis and they are so imperative for a healthy life and for our economy. And my inspiration for doing this is really my children and also my late father. I stood at his memorial service and just was amazed at all the lives that he touched and all the people that he helped and he cared greatly about our ocean and I remember having discussions with him when I was a kid that he thought that the oceans were really too big to be spoiled but we were also big fans of Jacques Rousseau and it was one of my favorite shows I'd watch with my father and I remember you know, just being enthralled with Jacques Rousseau and, and his explorations on the Calypso. And I do think that my father, who I always considered a brilliant man and a very fluid thinker, so he would not get locked in his ways, even though he was a fairly conservative guy. He was also conservative in in most senses of the word conservative, and he actually conserved. He was one of those few who recycled back in the 70s before there were recycling programs. I just remember him doing things like that and not being a man of excess and being someone who helped people. And I know that the ocean was something that he became concerned with later on. He would save articles, things like save a 98 article about the oceans in crisis back then. And it's been something that that I noticed was a recurring theme in a lot of scientific literature or, you know, popular science magazines. So it's really been uh, not one like watershed moment, but it's been lots of little drips from different areas, kind of like a great, maybe it is a watershed moment in in a sense, you know, all these little drops forming a, a river of consciousness. And it made me realize that the best way to ensure that my children have a healthy future, uh, an economically viable future is to conserve our water resources. It's kind of been this awareness that we have a lot to lose if we don't reach as many people as possible and educate them about water, what it means to our health, what it means to our lives, what it means to our country's economic health. And what it means to our peace of mind and what overall well-being. I think one thing that really also stood out just recently was the issue with Flint. And that shows how our rivers can have a direct impact on our health. Because the issue of lead in the pipes, the aging infrastructure, which, by the way, is just endemic throughout this country. And... Here, Flint, it was made way worse because the city in the effort to save money put people's lives at risk by switching the water source to the Flint River, which was highly corrosive water. They knew this water was corrosive. So it's not just a matter of aging infrastructure. It's now you have corrosive water that's accelerating the lead going into the water because of its corrosive nature. And talk about mental health. People are stressed out with guilt and with worry about what they've done to their children. And I cannot imagine being in that position. And I hope never to be in that position. But I honestly don't know what's in my own water, to tell you the truth, because we have the Clean Water Act, the chemicals that are regulated have not been updated really since the 70s. You just mentioned the Clean
0: Water Act. I wanted to touch on that a little bit. I know it's a focus, especially of your current paddle endeavor from New York to New Orleans. Can you talk a little bit about the Clean Water Act, the Environmental Protection Agency changing the regulations on that and how that's affecting the waterways and the oceans of the United States?
1: I have to first put a disclaimer out. I am in no way an expert. I know a few things about this. I would direct people to Earth Justice. I would direct people even to making phone calls at the EPA if they want more information. Even the USGS is full of information about what is in our water, but Earth Justice, in particular, uh, who I partnered with, you know, in the first leg of this journey from New York City to Chicago. They were very interested in the new clean water rules, which would address bodies of water, which don't always connect with navigable waters, but will connect with them and do connect with them during times of rain and flooding, of which we know we have more of. In fact, right now, the Mississippi River, I've been getting from some sources, is a little bit high. I think it's one or two feet higher than normal. Which is why I chose to paddle in August as opposed to July because it seems lately, in my experience on the eastern seaboard and inland, we are getting more and more rain events and flooding.
0: And so basically the new Clean Water Act rules will hopefully recognize that even though some waterways aren't directly connected to navigable waterways, that they can be
1: can be and they are because we are getting more of them and they are connected. That's why it's not a hypothetical. Like they know that these waterways in time of floods will connect.
0: And so then there's also a petition out there that listeners and everyone can sign. What is that petition about?
1: Oh, yes. I started a care to petition to demand the head of EPA and our elected officials to do everything in their power to protect and conserve our water, and I do, you know, go into a little bit more detail and talk about the Clean Water Act because that's one example. We also need a lot, a ton of individual action on this and uh, education. So I really appreciate you and your podcast and anything and everything every person can do to think about our water, think about how they love it, and think of what they can do to protect it.
0: So many of us might live near the ocean or near a lake or near a river. We live near water because we like water, like you mentioned earlier, but we're not doing these long distance paddles through these large watersheds, you know, long rivers that scale up and down and through the middle of the United States. You're actually doing it. You're on the ground. You're seeing this firsthand in your outrigger canoe. Can you describe some of the most shocking sights that you've seen while paddling through the waterways of the United States?
1: Yeah. The poor, ailing Gulf of Mexico immediately pops into my mind. When I was paddling into Sarasota, I was overwhelmed with the raw. sewage smell and this one guy who worked at the moat aquarium told me about how he had contracted i believe it was tb from the water and someone else was quizzing me are you sure that wasn't marsh i said look i live in new jersey i'm all about marshes i know the difference between marsh and sewage (laughs) and i was not smelling marsh gas it was sewage and that was fairly shocking. And it was confirmed when I spoke to this poor guy who who uh, worked with the seahorses Mo- that, yes, there are sewage issues in Sarasota. So my nose was more than likely not deceiving me. But probably the most horrific thing I've ever encountered was paddling across the mouth of the Fen Holloway River. That part of the Gulf was black, like I've never experienced on any other part of the Gulf of Mexico. And it not only was smelly, uh, it also did mildly burn your skin. And it was really infuriating. I mean, I cannot remember the pain and the smell as much as I remember my emotional reaction to it, which was absolute outrage that a company, and this is the Procter and Gamble's Buckeye pulp mill that is allowed to absolutely ruin a resource, absolutely ruin a resource. Then you have the other issue of non-point source solution. So you've got like really good examples of point source solution, Procter & Gamble on the Buckeye Pulp Mill in, on the Holly River, and you've got non-point source solution where you have runoff from overdevelopment where the developers don't pay any attention at all to how they manage their runoff. And they, everyone wants golf course lawns and blah, 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 blah. So you fertilize your lawn, you're fertilizing the water. And when I paddled into uh, the very top of the Crystal River, this one marina owner and dive shop operator came out and was spitting mad. He wasn't mad at me. He was just yelling because he was so passionate and he was so upset because he grew up in that area. He remembered when you could dive down in that river and look clear across and be able to see it. And now you can't because it was in May when I was doing this paddle and you could not see across that river. It was choked up with algae. It was just absolutely choked up with algae. And this was early May. In August, you can't even get boats in and out of there. It's so full of algae, which is feeding off all the nutrients that run off people's lawns.
0: And so you talked about this shop owner being so upset about the devastation that he's seen just in his lifetime of his local waterway. You're seeing it on a national level by paddling through all these waterways. I think that many individuals throughout the country feel that burning anger, they're upset, they're frustrated, they're sad that they're seeing the health of the waterways around them. Really, just plummet in many regards. What advice do you have for people that feel that real burning anger and sadness in regards to that? Because obviously, you took that and you do, you're doing something to create awareness about these issues. What advice do you have for people that maybe don't want to do super long distance paddling? What else can people do to help the health of their their local waterways and maybe reduce that burning anger and sadness that they feel?
1: Oh, gosh, there's so many things. I mean, first of all, there's just looking at your own daily habits on an individual level that you can change. And granted, it's going to take everybody changing. You know, that's one way to start. And once you start doing something to help, you do feel a little bit better. Even going out and organizing a cleanup, a river cleanup or a beach cleanup or taking part in a cleanup that someone else organizes, signing a petition, like the one I'm trying to push through care too. That all, it does help. And then also I do think the anger, even if it's righteous in nature, is just not a good thing. It can be motivating, but you do need to take time and enjoy what it is you're trying to protect. I do feel that that is a way to recharge and refresh. And you do feel that, We can do a lot of stuff to damage this resource, but we can also do a lot of stuff to help it. And then first, the easiest way is to enjoy it and not hurt it anymore. And also just educating people. Talk to your friends. If you have kids, be an example of someone who takes care of their water. Be an example to other people and other people's kids.
0: We talked about some of the negative environmental impacts that you see while you're doing these long-distance paddles what are some of the really positive things that you see and experience while you're on these week and month long trips?
1: Well, I think the fact that people are caring, even if they are distressed, the fact that they care really, it it makes it a little bit better because it's, it would be worse if I talked to people all the time who didn't see it, who didn't get it. I, I think The people I've met are what give me hope because they do care. And it is refreshing to me to see so many people working on these issues. We've got River Keeper, Bay Keeper, and they are taking an active role in addressing issues.
0: And that's something that you highlight a lot throughout your long-distance paddles is you meet up with different organizations that are actually – confronting issues or creating change on different issues does that inspire you to keep going because I'm sure that you face a lot of hardships doing these long distance paddles and you know open waterways and all kinds of weather conditions does that continue to give you inspiration meeting up with these organizations yeah
1: it does to me it's like a Rubik's Cube I I don't think I don't see it as a throw up your hands and give up. I see it as a challenge that just needs to be surmounted and you just figure out a way.
0: In talking about keeping that motivation and really thinking of this, the problem of our waterways in in the United States as kind of this Rubik's Cube, this problem that you can figure out eventually, it's just difficult. And what are some of the main struggles that you face on a day to day basis as a long distance paddler?
1: Uh, I think the biggest obstacle is fundraising for these paddles. Last year, I had a huge help from Earth Justice, and I've partnered with organizations in the past like NRDC. But the planning and training leading up to it and the fundraising is by far the hardest part.
0: Harder than any 40 mile per hour winds yes. or. Toxic green algae or anything like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, but I'm motivated by my kids and everyone's kids and my desire to kind of expand on what my dad did in giving back. You know, I, I kind of feel like I have to live harder for my dad and you know people that we've lost, that have, were so energetic and brought such passion to the world and to my life. You know, for all the people that no longer can do, I feel very much pressured to do what I can do.
0: And I think beyond the people that no longer can do, which is such a great thought, it's also for the people that can do, you Mm -hmm. know, the people that are listening right now that want to take a stand against an environmental issue that they feel really passionate about like you are. I think it's absolutely inspiring to them and whether they go on a long distance paddle like you are or they do something completely different. I think that what you're doing is absolutely inspiring to people that they can they can get up, they can they can make a big impact on the world and on something that they're passionate about. So it's really great what you're doing. And on the note of donations and the fact that fundraising is one of the biggest challenges you face in all of this, I will be linking to your donation page that listeners can Make a donation if they'd like to, to help support you and your cause and all the awareness that you're bringing to this really vital issue. We all need water. Water is life, right? Exactly. Uh So for listeners, I will be linking to that donation page, like I mentioned, and I'll also be linking to Margot's WordPress site that she posts blog posts on during her paddle trips, and then I'll also be linking to her social media sites, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, so you guys can give her a follow on there and keep up with her amazing journey as she paddles now from from Chicago to New Orleans. And then the last thing I'll be linking to was that petition that Margot started um, in regards to the EPA's, the Environmental Protection Agency's, Clean Water Rule and the changes that they've made. So Margot, I want to thank you so much for all the positive change that you are creating for the ocean by going on these amazing paddles and really putting yourself out there to create awareness on an environmental issue that you are very passionate about and uh, I also want to thank you for being on the show today I really enjoyed talking with you
1: Well thank you I really enjoyed speaking with you too Allison and I really really do appreciate what you're doing to help get the word out and you know donations might be daunting but probably actually what's more daunting is is just reaching as many people as possible to to educate them and to hopefully get them to care. Uh, I think that's the thing. How do you get people to care? And I hope I can can do that. Care and act.
0: (laughs) Care and act. That's great. Well, listeners, we will leave you with that. Please care about your waterways if you don't already. And if you do care about your waterways, please act in some way if you've been inspired by what Margo has said today. So, Margo, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. You just heard Margot Pellegrino, long distance paddler raising awareness about the importance of clean waterways and healthy oceans. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at AllisonRandolph.com and tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.